0: Much like the military, police officers have a very unique relationship with one another. The bond between police officers is far more than anything you will ever experience in civilian life. Because on any given day, at any given time, they put their lives in one another's hands. Even though you may only see a single officer working a traffic call, that does not mean that they're ever alone. Before that stop was ever initiated, they've already called in your license plate number and their location to a dispatcher. They want to ensure that the car they're stopping is not stolen or the person driving it is not wanted for some crime. If that's the case, they will call for backup before initiating what is called a felony stop. In order for any police department to function well, there must be a team atmosphere at hand. And not everyone does the same thing on a team. At the Tyler Police Department where I work, we had a command unit that was made up of our chief, our assistant chiefs, lieutenants, sergeants, etc. We had an investigative unit, we had a patrol unit, we had a traffic unit, and we had a SWAT team. And even those units can be broken down into smaller teams. Like for the patrol unit, also included a bicycle team. A bicycle team could work large crowds and could get up close and personal in drug areas much easier than an officer in a car. Investigators could also be broke down into teams as well. You know this if you've ever watched a police show on TV. There's the homicide unit, there's the gang unit, on and on. Once a cop gets on the street, you can tell pretty quickly based on their gifts and and personality where they're going to be the most successful in the future. We had a saying in Tyler, some cops will go their entire career and never experience anything, and then others will step into it daily. I fell into the latter. Although my wife Kelly was never a fan of our cop life, I loved it. Every time I left for work, she feared for my life. It's the reason why I'm here with you today. I wasn't ever scared because I knew my brothers and sister in blue always had my back. Like most structured organizations, the church functions in a similar way. Did you know we have our own command unit? We just call them bishops and district superintendents. Then we have elders, we have deacons, we have missionaries, and we have lay people. Each group playing a role in the body. Deacons are not gifted like elders. Elders are not gifted like deacons. Both of those groups play a specific role. Lay people are not all gifted the same either. Paul emphasizes this in Romans chapter 12. He says, since we have gifts that differ, according to the grace that's given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. Did you know that you have a biblical mandate to live out the gifts that God has given you for the purpose of growing his kingdom on earth? It's right there. Romans chapter 12, verse 6. God has created you in a very unique way for one purpose and one purpose only. You are here on this earth to grow the kingdom of God. But you should understand what you could do. That special gift that you've been given wasn't given to me. It may or may not have been given to the person sitting next to you. So the question I really want you to answer this morning to yourself quietly, I'm going to say the question and you need to just say yes or no. Are you ready? Are you living out your unique gift to further God's kingdom today? The body of Christ needs you to use your uniqueness to get his message around the world. If you're not using your gifts, the message of Christ will suffer both locally and globally. I'm sure you've heard of the ripple effect, right? The ripple effect says if you take a pebble and you drop it into a calm body of water, all the water around that pebble will change. It's the same way in the church when you are living out your God-given gifts. You are living that out and change is happening around you. Now, you may not be able to see the change. You may not hear about the change, but you need to understand that the change is taking place. And the Apostle Paul talks about how your unique gifts work within the body and how change actually happens through us working together. And this is what we're gonna talk about today. So I invite you to take out your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you're unfamiliar with the Bible, 1 Corinthians will follow the book of Acts and Romans. Now, as you're making your way there, let me give you a little context and tell you a little bit about this church so you understand why Paul is actually addressing this in his letter. Imagine, if you will, the most whacked out church possible. You got the picture in your head? Now, see, I'm not talking about a church that's fighting over the color of carpet in the sanctuary whether it's red or green or brown, that's not whacked out. I'm talking about whacked out. I'm talking about a church where powerful leaders are okay with pitting themselves against members of the church because their only goal is to push their own personal agenda. I'm talking about a church where where, we're people are committing immoral acts because they are teaching we have complete freedom in Jesus Christ. I'm talking about a church that sues other members over every little thing or a church that has a significant part of their membership that doesn't even believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That was the church at Corinth. Now, you need to understand that this church is as diverse a church as you'll ever find. And and I think that may have actually created another problem. There were people in the church who believed that their gifts, their uniqueness, was actually spiritually superior to others. So Paul begins to chastise the church, and then he begins to teach them how the body is supposed to function and work together. So this is where we're going to pick up our story. Let's begin with verse 12 of chapter 12. "'For even as the body is one, and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ.' Now I don't know about you, but sometimes when I read passages like this, I just say, "What in the? What kind of language are they speaking here?" Actually, it's Greek, but it doesn't make too much sense with us, right? It's, it's just confusing. So, so let's try to kind of break this down a, a little bit. Paul is talking about the church, and he's using the human body as his analogy. So, I want you to look down at your body for a second. You see arms and hands and fingers and and legs and, and feet, and you know that you have cells that are that are working in you, you have organs inside of you, but no matter how many body parts you can look at or name, they're all just one single body. You with me? Paul says this is the exact same way that it works for the body of Christ or the church. We are all different, but we are all needed to make this organism function. Let's move on, verse 13. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, we are all made to drink of one spirit. So here, Paul is trying to emphasize that it doesn't really matter what your diversity makeup is because we're all one through baptism. When you are baptized, you're baptized as members of Christ. The Methodist Church follows baptism like the early church, baptism is a part of your church membership. So Paul is saying, it doesn't really matter what your socioeconomic background is. It doesn't matter what your ethnicity is because we are all in this together. We are all tied together. We are all one because of our baptism. Look at verse 14. If you've never memorized a verse in the Bible, this is the second, probably the second shortest verse. You know, Jesus wept was the first one. For the body is not one member, but many. In verse 14, Paul wants you to understand that the church of Jesus Christ was not created just for Jews or for Gentiles. It wasn't created for the rich or the poor. It wasn't even created for those people that think their gifts are spiritually superior to others. The body of Jesus Christ was created so that people could live out their calling to make disciples and to proclaim the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ throughout the world. That's why you're here. That's why you were created. Verse 15, if the foot says, because I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body. It is not for this reason, any the less, a part of the body. So let's think for a second, why, why is Paul contrasting these two parts of the body? Maybe it will give us a little bit better understanding if you just think about the function of each part. First, let's think about the foot. The foot is the lowest part of the body. It may be the one part of the body that we can actually see that does the most work. At least it does all the heavy lifting, right? Your foot lets you stand. It lets you walk. It lets you run. It carries the weight of the body. Then he compares that or contrasts that with the hand. The hand, yes, it may assist with some heavy lifting, but the hand's also used to greet people. It's used to communicate. You could say, stop or follow me. It can also be a part of your prayer ritual. Paul says those who are tasked like a foot should recognize what a vital role they play in the body. It may not be as glamorous, but it's just as important as the hand. Now look at verse 16. If the ear says, because I'm not an eye, I'm not a part of the body. It is not for this reason, any the less, a part of the body. Now, now thinking about this analogy, it may be actually the easiest one of this passage to understand. Right now, right here in this place, we have a host of hearers among us. You are sitting here listening this message. Hopefully it will challenge you and, and push you to grow in your walk of Christ. On the other hand, we have two, actually I can see four elders in the United Methodist Church that are here among you. Elders are called to order the church. Ordering the church is not just general oversight, but it's also about goal setting and planning, looking into the future. So they're called to be the eyes of the church. And Paul says that, that you, the congregation that are here today, the, the hearers, you're just as critical to this body of Christ functioning as any elder is among you. Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? If everyone was an elder in the church, and an overseer, where would the hearers of the message be? There wouldn't be. But if everyone were just hearers, who would lead? Who would cast vision and give direction? 18 through 20. Let's move on. But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as He desired. If they... If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members, but one body. I mean, think about it. How awesome is it that God has brought us all together in this place today? We cannot grow the kingdom of God without you using your gifts. We need people who have a passion for caring for others. We need people who are drawn to supporting the mission work at John Wesley United Methodist Church, whether it's on 1960 or to the furtherest parts of the world. We need people who have a gift and a passion to shepherd our children and to care for our babies in our nursery. We need people who are equipped to protect us and and watch over us for times of trouble. And so many other gifts that are all important to the life of this church. The work of Jesus Christ cannot be done with a handful of paid staff members. The church needs you. Verse 21. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. So in other words, the, the leaders, the overseers of the church cannot say to those with different gifts than they have, oh, you know, we're good with just just the leaders. We don't need those, we don't need those other people. And that doesn't even make sense, does it? I mean, there would not even be a church if the pastors were the only ones that showed up on Sunday morning. And even if you did come, but we didn't have greeters or ushers or teachers or child care workers, or donuts, you probably wouldn't come back, because we wouldn't be functioning at our greatest potential. Let's move on, verse 22. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary, and those members of the body which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor, and our less presentable members become much more presentable, whereas our more presentable members have no need of it. Before I came into full-time ministry, there's a lady in my church who was extremely frail. Her name was Sally. She was about 90 years old. She's just a little bitty thing, and just by looking at her, you might think, you know what, just because of her frailty, I mean, really, how can she make a difference in the kingdom of God? Surely her best days are pastor. I mean, she's done it all in the church. She's already, already taught Sunday school. She's been an usher and a greeter and you know, all that stuff, and she got the T-shirt for every one, every one of those jobs. Maybe now this time, this part in her life, she should just enjoy attending a service and not really worry about serving the body Anymore, but not Sally. God had called her to serve the kingdom, and that's what she was going to do. And so God called her home. Sure, she could no longer get on the floor and play with our children. She could no longer cook meals for people. She could no longer teach or pick up the offering. But every Monday morning, Miss Sally's neighbor brought her to the church, and she would come to the very front pew and she would sharpen all the pencils and stuff all the envelopes in the pew for the next Sunday. She was making a difference. God was not done with Miss Sally and Miss Sally was not done serving the kingdom. She knew that that is why God created us. What about you? Maybe this morning you think there's no need for you any longer. Or maybe you're thinking this morning that your unique, specific gifts don't really matter in the church. Or maybe you're just thinking, you know, they've got it all together, they got plenty of people, they don't ever need me. Well, let me correct your stinking thinking. God is not done with you. And the kingdom of God always needs you to serve. Let's finish. But God has so composed the body, given more abundant honor to that member which lacked, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the other members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. Friends, we're all in this together. The kingdom of God right here at John Wesley in our little corner of Houston will only succeed if you are willing to live out your unique calling and serve the body of Christ. So so what can you do this morning to get activated serving the kingdom? Well, let me give you three suggestions. Number one, you need to discover how God has gifted you. Now, people in full-time ministry, they'll understand what I'm saying here. We have a lot of people that try serving as a hand because it may be a little bit more glamorous, but God has really gifted them like a foot If you do that, you're not gonna be happy. And serving will look more like work and less like service to the kingdom of God. So you need to figure out how you've been gifted. First, think about those things that you do naturally. It's usually an indication of your gifts. Second, ask people around you what gifts they see in you. They may see something that you've never seen before. Finally, you can take a spiritual gift assessment or a strength assessment and let us help you find your best fit. Number two, pray. You should never commit yourself to anything that has not first been bathed in prayer. Ask God to give you wisdom and to show you those places where you can make a direct impact in the kingdom of God. Simply refilling the pew envelopes does move the mission of Christ forward. So don't worry about the status of the work. Just use the gifts and abilities that God has given you right now today to further his kingdom. Number three, jump in. Here at John Wesley, we have about 60 adult Sunday school teachers and Bible study teachers. We have over 100 people that serve our church through our missions department, either here locally or globally. We have almost 200 people that serve this body of Christ as ushers and greeters every week, every month, every year. The list goes on and on and on. But do you know what else we have? We always have room for you. We always have room for you to serve. Let's pray. Oh Father, we thank you for the words of the Apostle Paul that convicts us and teaches us how you've called us to be the body of Christ, how your body should function in the world. Father, we thank you that you put us here for one mission and that is to grow your kingdom. We thank you for each and every gift that is in this room. We pray that no one wastes their gift, that they are all used to grow your kingdom here on earth. We ask this in Christ's holy name, amen. I hope you enjoyed this message, and if you did, I invite you to support our ministry by giving online at jwumc.org slash give Also would invite you to find a church to attend on a regular basis or join us at John Wesley on Sunday mornings at 8.15 9 o'clock and 11.15 God bless and have a great week